you wish you could hear God's voice? Are you struggling to find stillness in the busyness of mom life? Is being present daily and sometimes moment by moment a battle for you? Welcome home, sister. This is Unabridged Faith. Aloha, my name is Paige Amber Bacani. I am a lover of Jesus, wife, mama, and mentor. After living by my own strength for years, I finally gave up and took a chance on Him. The simplest way to describe what the Lord has done in my life is that I was one way and now I am completely different. I want that for you. My mission is to journey alongside you as we openly grow in our faith by being present with God's Word, practicing prayer, pursuing fellowship, and sharing powerful testimonies. If you want to learn how to invite God's peace into your heart, motherhood, and mind, I know this podcast will speak to you. Slip on your shoes, strap on your little ones, and let's go for a walk. We have a date with the Lord. All my love, your sister, Paige. Aloha and good morning. My name is Paige Amber Bacani, and this is officially the first episode of Unabridged Faith. The best way that I know how to start this is in prayer. (sighs) Father God, I thank you so much for another day. I thank you so much for another morning where you kept air in my lungs throughout the night and that I get to wake up and worship and glorify you in a way that you and only you know how. So I come and sit at your feet in this moment. I give you all of my nerves. I give you all of my thoughts and ideas of what I think should be shared. And I lay them down and surrender to you to receive what you would like me to share. Um, My story, my life, all of it, it's all yours. So please highlight the sections that you would have me share today and um, just let the other ones fade away. And I trust that with time they will be shared or um, maybe they're meant to be shared in a different one-on-one setting. So I love you so much, Lord. I ask that this glorifies you and that it's done with silver, gold, and precious jewels um, for your honor, Lord. I love you. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I'm opening my mouth and I believe that you will fill it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so can I be real with you guys today? (laughs) A lot of you that are listening might not know me at all, but some of you that are listening will know me, and you guys have a version of me that you see. And today I am going to shine a little bit of light on that and give you the version that I know me to be. Um, that I knew me to be, that I know me to be, and that I hope to be. So I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous. I wish I could come on and be fully confident and speak boldly in the Lord, and I do trust that He is moving me towards that. But right now, just bear with me, and <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to share in a way that is putting my lens on your eyes so during this time please just whatever you're doing sitting walking um just remember that i'm really sharing my heart with you and i'm really almost handing you a pair of glasses um to look through the lenses that i've looked through for so long of my life um and then halfway through the story i'll give you another pair of lenses to see the way that i'm seeing the world now through jesus christ So I've thought a lot about where to start as well. I feel that I don't have a ton of memories. 
sometimes someone will tell me a story that I play a really big part in and for whatever reason I cannot remember that story like I can't remember being there um, I don't remember the details so I feel my life is a lot like that as well especially my childhood but I will just start by saying that um, I was born in Kearney, Nebraska, and then my family moved to Ravenna, Nebraska, um, where my brother and my sister were both born, where we brought them home, and then we moved back to Kearney. And in the transition moving from Ravenna back to Kearney, we were building our dream home. It was going to be our first home that was actually ours and that we had built and um, it was finished and we loved it. And then in the months and potentially years, again, the time is kind of confusing for me. Um, when I was in eighth grade, my mom did not let me, <laughs> well, my mom or dad didn't let me have sleepovers on school nights. But I specifically remember this one night, my mom wanted us to go over to my cousin's house and stay the night. And I remember just thinking how strange that was and I knew something was going on and I remember being so reluctant to do so. And then she ended up getting us in the car and taking us over there. And I remember talking to my aunt, just being like, I'm not going to sleep, I'm not going to sleep. Cause I knew something was wrong and no one was telling me what was happening. I ended up falling asleep and I woke up the next morning and I was so upset cause no one woke me up and my cousins were getting ready for school and I loved school. I loved being on time. Um, I loved having the right answers. Um, yeah, it was just a place that I really enjoyed. And I, if I remember right on that specific day, we had some type of a field trip. And so I woke up really fast and I was rushing around and I was asking everyone why they hadn't woken me up. And everyone was kind of just looking at me. No one gave me an answer. I was looking for my mom and I ran downstairs and I stopped about halfway down the stairs because they have a stairway that there's a wall halfway down and then the rest of the way is just open. And I saw everything that we owned in that basement. And it was a shock to my system. And I think I went from confused to mad so quickly in the snap of a finger. And I found my mom. And I don't even know if I asked her why our whole life was in the basement. I think in that moment, I just knew that she had taken everything that we owned away and left my dad and I think I knew that and I didn't even address it. I think in that moment, I've never had this realization before and I love my mom. She's such an amazing woman and I have so much more understanding now. I'm actually at her house. We're living with her right now. <laughs> um, but back to the point, I think in that moment, my heart put barricades around. Like I, I've never realize that as the defining moment but I really think it was that was the moment where my heart just got hard and I was just furious with her and I told her I don't I don't care what's going on pretty much like I don't I don't even want the details I just need to get to school and I think that was also my first like avoidance I'm just gonna avoid this I'm gonna pretend this is not happening I'm going to school I'm going on my field trip I'm gonna come home whatever that looks like and just ignore all of this. <laughs> so I remember that defining moment. And then there was con some confusion throughout. My parents definitely tried. It was not for a lack of trying. 
Fast forward to high school, again, some of you guys are gonna know me, so be forgiving on the dates. And also I wanna mention in here why I think I'm having such a hard time and why I have been so reluctant to share my story and to begin this podcast is because in a way I feel that I'm throwing other people under the bus because they did play a big role in my life and making me who I am and I honor and respect all of them and I'm so grateful for each and every one of them and I take full responsibility for all of my actions and their consequences and I'm the first one to throw myself under the bus. I just want to disclaim that to begin with. I'm definitely not going to be sharing any names, but if you're listening, you're going to know who and what pieces are about who and what. Just leaving that there. So freshman year, high school is almost an escape for me. I love school. I love being on time. I love being involved. I was in track, cross country. I made it to state in both. I love getting good grades, straight A's, and would cry if I didn't. (laughs) Maybe not right there, but to myself. And as you can hear, potentially, perfectionism was being born within me. A controlling spirit was being born within me. And I was feeding it and fostering it and allowing it to grow. I got my first job in middle school. My best friend's mom owned a cleaning business which blessed me all through my youth. It really gave me an outlet to not only receive money, but also do something with some extra time that I had. It all gets pretty confusing here, but within my freshman and sophomore year, I had packed up and moved out of my mom's house and into one of my good friend's house. My dad was driving truck at the time, so he didn't want me to live at his house He didn't want me to be home alone that often, but whereas I refused to live with or even speak with my mom for an entire year, my dad eventually allowed me to move into his house while he was getting things situated and trying to find a different line of work, but I do remember being home alone a lot, especially at nighttime, Um, especially when I got sick. I remember specifically being sick one time. And all I wanted was my mom, but I wasn't talking to my mom. So I was calling my dad and he was driving truck. I just remember being so miserable. I felt so alone. And again, I think it's in these moments that my heart kept getting harder and it kept learning or thinking that it was learning. See, we have to take care of ourselves. We can't depend on anyone else to be there for us. We have to do it ourselves. We have to figure it out ourselves. We have to protect for We have to protect ourselves. We have to provide for ourselves, which are all things that the Lord in his grace is stripping me of season after season. But this is where it began. So I've been asking myself, why are we sharing all of this? And then little nuggets like that come out. And I do feel that this is going to hit home for a woman. Maybe you'll begin to have memories coming back to you of moments that your heart began to harden and you began to learn some lessons of the world that you thought applied directly to God. And I'm just here to tell you that they do not. It was within these first couple years of high school that I started a relationship with a man that I would date for the next six to seven years on and off. And at this point, we had truly grown up together. We had supported each other through some of the hardest seasons of our life up until that point. And honestly, we had given ourselves over to one another in just about every way imaginable. 
Unfortunately, people joke about being fire and gasoline, and that's truly what we were for each other. As the years went on, our immaturity continued to come out, our inability to know what love was and how to honor and respect and treat each other. We also had some very different core beliefs, and as much as we wanted to stay in each other's lives, the more I came to know what love was, I knew that the most loving thing I could do for the both of us was to release us to find the partner that the Lord had created for us to worship and glorify him better together than we could apart or with anybody else. And we had made it very, very clear through the previous years that we were not that for one another. Fast forward to my senior year of high school. At this point, I am living a complete split personality. At the time, I didn't think anything of it because that was my life. But looking back on it, I, in one realm, was all put together. If you looked at my life, you would know that I was a perfectionist because everything had a place and everything was in its place. I was straight A, I was on the honor roll, I was involved. I got along with my teachers, I had a good group of friends. However, on the other side of that, whenever I felt like it, typically the weekends, I would go out and drink to the point of blackout, not remembering majority of the night, and then waking up the next day and, and either going to work or school or church. <laughs> and to be honest, I didn't see anything wrong with this. There really wasn't a point in time where I was thinking, I'm living such a sinful life, I'm making such bad decisions. There was really never a point where I felt I needed to take a break either. I remember hearing the people around me talk about needing to slow down or take a couple days off for themselves, but that never applied to me. I just always thought to myself, or didn't think to myself, that it's not interfering in my life in any way, shape, or form. I'm a good student, I'm a good daughter, I'm a decent sister, like I'm a good friend, I'm a good person. The only time that I ever kind of checked myself was when I would get caught, right? Or when I would get in trouble. And another defining moment of my life where I did feel that shame, I did feel regret for probably some of the first times in this season of my life because I hadn't guarded my heart and at this point it was rock solid hard. I talk about a split personality and on one hand I was so loving and caring and kind and inclusive but on the other end people were disposable to me in a sense and I was living my life completely recklessly. Back to getting caught, I remember having to call my mom in the back of Walmart and tell her that I had been caught stealing and begging her not to tell dad because I was too scared. I remember asking the police officer not to call my dad because I was so scared of what he was gonna say and what he was gonna think. And I remember having to sit in the back of his car as he explained to me the next steps of everything that was gonna happen and kind of what my options were, which is pretty amazing to me that there are any options because what I did was wrong. However, I will be forever grateful for those options because I went through an online diversion program that completely took it off of my record. And the reason why this was such a big deal to me was because senior year was also the year that I had received the Susan Buffett scholarship, which covers all tuition, all room and board, everything. At the same time, they had a pretty strict policy 
on behavior as well as grades, attendance, all the things that you would imagine a scholarship that's giving you a full ride to have as accountability. It might have happened at slightly different times, but remembering back, it seems like there was a point of such carefree, rambunctious living, and then life started to get real serious real fast. And so at about the same time, that my dad found out about me stealing. I feel that it was around the same time that they also had found out about me drinking and being with my boyfriend at the time and just all of the things that they would never have imagined me doing because of the facade that I had been living was all coming out into light and I don't think that they even knew what to do with themselves, but let alone what to do with themselves. They didn't know what to do with me. And so at this point, they sent me off to live with my aunt for a while in Sonol, Nebraska. And I love my aunt. I love my aunt. And they had just had a baby. So it wasn't really punishment because I wanted to be there. Like, I loved being there. But it was punishment because, again, put on my lenses. At this time, my whole life is in Kearney, Nebraska. That's where my boyfriend is. That's where my friends are. I'm missing out on all these parties. I'm missing out on all these memories. And I remember my dad telling me that he wasn't going to come and get me until I told him that I was ready to change. And if you know me, you know how stubborn I am. And if you don't know me, you will come to learn the stubbornness that the Lord is still refining out of me. So I would call my dad decently regularly. Oh, mind you, they sent me off. They had taken my phone and sent me off. So I didn't get to tell anybody that I was gone. I just all of a sudden was missing. And once I got to my aunt's house, I wasn't able to use her computer or her phone to communicate with anybody. I was just gone. So I remember calling my dad every so often. I don't even know how often it was and just begging him. So in the beginning, I remember I started out just mad. I was so mad. I was demanding that he come and get me or else. And then that tactic was not working. So I remember calling him and being genuinely sad, but also like, okay, how can I get him to come and get me? So start being, I started being somewhat sad and being like, dad, I need you to come get me. Like I miss being home. And that didn't work either. I think I flip-flopped back and forth between just being completely furious and demanding that he come and get me. And then just being sad and asking him to come and get me. And I don't know, honestly, what the defining moment was. I'm sure he remembers. But somehow he came and got me. I'm pretty sure it wasn't because I admitted that I would change, but maybe it was. Um, He ended up coming to get me. And there was a period of time where I paused on all of the things. So I came back and college started. I was a freshman, so I moved into the dorms. I had an assigned roommate who I loved. I got so blessed two years in a row with roommates. I was pretty involved in my scholarship community and I was actually picked to be a mentor the following year for the incoming freshmen. I was on student senate. I was on the chancellor's ambassador. I was on the honor roll, the dean's list. Grades were very, very, very important to me because at the time I was pre-med and planning on going to medical school. So as you can see, all of this continued to feed my perfectionism and my need to be in control and to make the plan and to take the next step and for everything to be the way that it's supposed to be and the weight of feeling like I had to know the way that things were supposed to be was honestly crushing. 
but whenever I started having thoughts of giving up, I would remind myself of why I chose it in the first place. And there's a few different reasons for it. One is my dad's health and my desire to help him. Another one is my fascination of the human body and nutrition. And in this season of my life, it would have been an unhealthy obsession. I have battled disordered eating for many, many years of my life. And I can say with all the joy in my heart that this is a chain that the Lord truly has broken off of me. And because of this, it is an area that I am so passionate about helping other women find freedom, which plays into my next reason, which is my belief and my intuitive understanding of what holistic health is. And growing up in Nebraska, I'm not sure where I heard holistic health because whenever I said it to somebody, they didn't know what I was talking about. And even explaining it, I'm not sure where I got the explanation from it, but it just made sense. And all of that sounds good. Those are all my good reasons. I wanted to give you guys those first. But if I'm being honest with myself, the biggest reason why I chose pre-med, well, the biggest two reasons why I chose pre-med is number one, because I wanted to prove to myself and to other people that I could do hard things. I knew that pre-med was probably the hardest, one of the hardest paths that I could choose. And so that's the one that I did. I don't know why I tended to choose the hardest possible way. I guess in a way I do know it's because I wanted to prove that I could do this, um, that I was stubborn enough, that I was hard-headed enough, that I was strong enough to achieve it. And number two, my second reason why I chose pre-med was because I knew I wanted to make a lot of money. Growing up, I watched my parents struggle with money my entire life. We never went without, but we never had extra. And that really hit me growing up as a child. And Reflecting back, maybe I thought if I could have provided money somehow, then my parents would have stayed together or yeah, that more money would have solved the problems. And in reality, we know that that's not true, but in my mind, that's how I was making sense of what had happened in my family. And that's how I was making sense of how I could prevent it happening in my future family, which is also kind of a bit of a funny ongoing joke with anybody who knows me. I was very determined. I was never getting married and I was never having children because I didn't want to mess them up. I knew what I had been through. I knew what the generation before me had been through and it just made logical sense that that's probably what would happen to me. Thankfully, the Lord has different and better plans for my life. I am married to my husband, Evan Bacani, and I absolutely adore him. I'm really looking forward to sharing more of our story in the episodes to come. We also have our little man, Jacob Joshua Bacani, who is going to be two in January. That is so hard for me to believe. And our love for this little man is fierce. And again, if you know anything about myself and my husband and our little family unit, you will know this to be true. I feel that this is a really great place to stop this episode. I don't want them to be too long because if you're anything like me, and I'm assuming that the listener is, you are probably a busy mama, and at this point, it's probably about time for you to be back on mama duty, chasing them around, getting them out of the carrier, um, picking them up from their nap, whatever that looks like. So I want to leave you here. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of my first episode, for making it all the way through, rather you were listening to it in a sped up version 
or you had to kind of pause along the way, whatever it looked like for you, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and let you know that I truly do believe that the Lord will speak through me as I open my mouth and that it will transform you from the inside out, not because of me, but because of Holy Spirit inside of me. So I love you, sister. I pray for strength and love and endurance for the rest of your day. Aloha, sweet sister. I am eager to connect and hear how the Lord spoke to you through today's episode, or maybe even throughout the week, because I trust that He did. I want to ask you to pause and help me with a quick favor. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, please take a moment and share how through leaving a heartfelt review on Apple Podcast. This helps other women, like us, find unabridged faith. Your kind words fill my heart with so much joy, and I have hope that your review also encourages others. If you are ready to go all in with your faith, please email me at unabridgedfaith@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can stay in touch. And come join our community of faith-filled women at facebook.com slash unabridgedfaith. I trust that the Lord will continue to use this podcast to draw us near to His heart. And I pray for a week full of intention and connection as we grow in unabridged faith. In Jesus' name, amen.